It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in, everybody, to Catfish on Ice on this beautiful Friday. This is your host, Chad Minton. Thank you for joining me. If you're joining me on YouTube, thank you so much. Hit subscribe below. Also, if you follow us on X, thank you for that as well. On this gorgeous Friday, we are reacting to a Nashville Predators win, a statement win, if you will, as the Predators beat the New York Rangers, a Stanley Cup hopeful team by a score of four to one in very, very dominating fashion. There was some moments in the game that made you a little nervous, but for the most part, the Predators finally put their complete game plan together and get rewarded on the scoreboard. That is a beautiful thing that happened. And so we are gonna break down that game for you. I'm gonna give you my three MVPs from the game and also some other major game notes from that matchup including some injury news that is coming up right now we've got some things we really don't want to happen when it comes to uh early season injuries we already know about the injury to luke shen gonna break that down a little bit and how that impacts the predators defensive corps and then also an injury that happened to put a damper on things a little bit in this 4-1 win over the new york rangers with Cody Glass exiting the game very, very early. Forced the Predators to play with 11 forwards, which is not easy, especially when you're doing it for almost a complete 60-minute game. So all things considered, the Predators really handled that very, very well. Going to break down what that injury looks like, what it could mean to the Predators if Cody Glass, for some reason, does have to miss multiple games. We'll wait and see what happens with that. Going to break that down. Going to look ahead, next game up, the Predators return home to take on the San Jose Sharks. It's their first opponent that didn't make the playoffs in 2023. So a five-game gauntlet, if you will, for the Predators to open the season. In previous episode, a few episodes back, we really broke down the first 10 games of this year's schedule and kind of cautioned some people on the fact that it could be a rocky start. Well, in those first five games, half of those first 10 games that we pinpointed, the Predators are 2-3-0. and oh. So with multiple chances to win a couple of those games against the Lightning and against the Bruins. Now that Oilers game, we're going to burn that game, fil- game film and never talk about it again. I'm not going to even give it five seconds in this episode 205 here. Also, Got to get into the trade rumblings that are already coming up. We're only in this like early, early, early goings of the season, and we're already getting trade rumblings, and the Predators are already being linked to a particular player. I'm sure you've already heard about it, but if not, 
Keep listening to the podcast. We're going to break that down as the Predators, according to multiple very reputable sources around the league, say that the Predators are one of the teams interested in this 27-year-old right winger. So we will break that down a little bit more. And that's what we got in store for you. Our next live episode of Catfish and Ice, which will be episode 206, is coming to you this Tuesday. So we're recording this one right here on a Friday, Friday afternoon. So Tuesday is the next live episode. Rich Howe will be back on air with me, and that will be against the Vancouver Canucks, a home game. So should be a fun night. We're going to try to do a live watch along episode and get into a lot of other good things that I've been saving, putting on the back burner until Rich is able to join me again. So with that said, let's really break into episode 205 now. Presented by DraftKings, promo code THPN, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Going to tell you more about our amazing sponsor later on in the episode and the current offer that we have for you there. All right, let's get right into it with my three MVPs. You see it scrolling on the bottom of the screen. How about that? Cole Smith, who entered the game with so much criticism. He's been the punching bag of this team for a while now by the fans, most fans. They don't feel like, for the most part, that he should be starting. But be that as it may, he enters this game against the Rangers with four career NHL goals. Four goals. Not for the lack of shooting. Had plenty of shots in the NHL, shots on goal, before he finally got his first goal last season. Ends up with four goals last year. This season still didn't have a goal yet. Getting a lot of criticism about taking starts away from a player like maybe Samuel Fahimo, who is uh, was picked up on waivers, and Fahimo has not been in the lineup yet, not, has not made his season debut for the Predators, but they keep with Cole Smith, and this guy erupts in this game against the Rangers. One of the most unlikely players to score two goals in a five-minute span of game clock. So let me break it down for you. First goal he scores to open the scoring for the Predators is just one of those extremely hardworking, crowd the net, scoop up the loose garbage, and that's exactly what happens. The puck skips past Igor Shosturkin. It's fluttering around in the crease off a blast from Tyson Berry. Great shot by him. Let's give him some credit, uh, Tyson Berry, from doing for doing what he's known to do, which is create offensive chances as a defenseman. So he blasts a shot into traffic. It sputters up a, a small little rebound and loose puck opportunity behind Shesterkin. And credit to Cole Smith for using his physicality close in on the crease to find that loose puck that was behind Shesterkin, but not necessarily going across that goal line. It could have been easily knocked out by a Rangers defender or it could have easily been found and covered by Shesterkin if Cole Smith was not ready to react quickly. And he punches the puck past the goal line for the Predators to get that one nothing lead in in this game. And it was just it was it was huge. It really kind of gave you a sigh of relief that the Predators we're going to erase all the things. I said I wasn't going to bring it up, but I got to. Erase all the badness that happened in that Oilers game. And they do that here by getting that goal by Cole Smith at 11:24 in the first period. Assists come from Michael McCarron and Tyson Berry. 
Of course, Michael McCarron makes his season debut in this game. So th that's something else that was very interesting, uh, that Philip Tomasino is a healthy scratch for this game. So already a lot of fans were kind of uh, – most of them that I came across on social media kind of understood it, weren't freaking out too much. But I said very clearly, look, let's not freak out here. Maintenance days are very common, especially this early in the season. Head coach Andrew Burnett's trying to figure out what works. He's, he hasn't messed with the lineup too much. He's pretty much, for the most part, through the first five games, tried to keep it consistent, including that top line of Parsonen, Ryan O'Reilly, and Phil Forsberg. He hasn't messed with that, but he does. He chooses to bench Philip Tomasino in game five, and he brings up Michael McCarron to center the fourth line. So McCarron gets the assist there, and there you have it. You're playing with a one nothing lead. You're feeling good, but you know the New York Rangers – are a potent offensive team. they got a ton of talent, more talent than the Predators have on paper, mind you. And so you're just waiting for the Rangers to get that response goal, get the Madison Square Garden crowd up and running. And what do you know? The Predators take a penalty quickly after that Cole Smith goal. Cole Smith takes the penalty, an interference penalty, very wishy-washy, very borderline. Cole Smith didn't like it, was very confused by it. It wasn't an egregious penalty where you're thinking – what are you doing, Cole Smith? Why are you putting the Predators in this situation after you just put your team up? No, it wasn't that type of penalty. It was a very strange and borderline penalty that I wasn't a fan of. But here you go. The Predators got to kill another penalty and keep the Rangers from quickly taking back momentum. They kill the penalty off. And what do you know? Cole Smith comes right out of the penalty box and gets a gift, if you will. And it's a puck. And he's on a one-on-one breakaway. Don't get very many opportunities as Cole Smith to get one-on-one -on -one breakaways. But it's kind of hard to beat that goaltender named Igor Shesterkin, even when you're one-on-one. -on -one. And this is where Cole Smith really had to illustrate how much he has improved on his offensive game. And boy, did he ever. He puts it past Shesterkin with an exclamation point, no doubt about it. Highlight real type goal. Very straightforward and simple, but he beats Shesterkin. And credit to the Valley Sports South Regional Broadcast for pointing this out. Willie Donick, how Ryan O'Reilly boxed out the defender, kind of pushed, made a roadblock, completely legal play, roadblocks the defenders from catching up to Cole Smith so he could get a clean shot on Shesterkin. So just that just showcases Ryan O'Reilly's veteran experience, veteran leadership, his intelligence about the game. Little things like that go a long way. So Cole Smith scores two goals in a span of five minutes of game time to put the Predators up 2-0. The Rangers crowd looked really shocked and really surprised by what was going on at this point. And Cole Smith goes from having four career NHL goals to having six NHL goals in just five minutes. Man, why else would you love this sport than stuff like that? But again, a two-goal lead is nothing against the Rangers. So you're just waiting. You're waiting for the Rangers to wake up. You're waiting, waiting for it. You go into the second period, and this is where the Predators really just their defensive masterclass was on full display. And that goes to my second game MVP. Of course, my first game MVP is Cole Smith. I'd be so wrong if I didn't give him that. It's obvious. Let's go to someone else here. My second game MVP is Ryan McDonough, and I'm going to add the stats here from Money Puck onto the screen for our YouTube viewers so they can see 
kind of what I'm looking at here. Love money puck. So here you have it. You have some of the um, some of the stats from money puck here on goals and points and expected goals, which is a number I really like to look at there. So what you see there, let's let's see. Cole Smith is up there uh, with two goals on two shots on goals. So pretty efficient stuff there from Cole Smith. But let's go back to Ryan McDonough, who ends up putting up twenty over twenty two minutes of ice time. 22 and a half minutes of ice time for McDonough. He really puts in the work here. And he mainly plays this game with Alexander Carrier as his lineman, as his defensive pairing partner. If we want to scroll down here as it catches up here. Expected on ice, expected goals against is a number you really want to look at here. And if you sort it out, McDonough and Carrier had one of the better nights in terms of expected goals against. Okay, the website for Money Puck's acting up on me a little bit here. That's okay. But, yeah, so looked it up earlier. McDonough and Ryan, and Ryan McDonough and Alexander Carrier were definitely the most effective defensive pairing for the Predators in this game in terms of not allowing offensive chances to the Rangers. And so good stuff there. McDonough also had two block shots in this game, was very strong on the penalty kill, and just kind of like I think about Ryan O'Reilly as an offensive – or as a coach on the ice for the Fords. I think the same way about Ryan, uh, Ryan McDonough as an on ice coach who's playing the game, Ryan McDonough, you cannot overlook. And sometimes it's easy to overlook just how important McDonough is to this team. He, he makes things difficult. One of the things I really noticed, not just about McDonough, but it, again, I look at him as one of the leaders of the defense when it comes to defensive hockey, of course, Roman Yossi's the captain. He pushes the offense. He's the player that we need. But in terms of just defensive defensemen and just being that veteran leader, I look at Ryan McDonough and he showed it in this game and everyone else followed suit. The Predators did a, an outstanding job keeping things on the perimeter and using their poke checking ability, using other ways to keep the Rangers on the outside and making the saves much easier for UC Soros to handle. He didn't really get tested really all that badly until the Ranger until the game wore on and the Rangers finally got a 5 on 3 power play goal that Ryan McDonough was on the ice for and he did everything he could to keep that puck out but it just happened. It, 5 on 3 penalties are so hard to kill and the Rangers finally break through there but to make it 4 to 1. But again, Ryan McDonough really strong game for him playing with Alexander Carrier of course, the Preds decor has been shook, shaken up a little bit with uh, Luke Shen being out four to six weeks. Going to cover that a little bit later in this episode. But yes, here's the exact number uh, for McDonough and Carrier, according to MoneyPuck.com, had the lowest expected goals against of all the defensive pairings for the Predators at a 0.124. That is a very, very low number and a very impressive number to come up against the New York Rangers who are known to have a lot of offensive playmakers. So to keep it that low, I think they had about 13 minutes total as a pairing in this game together. Very, very impressive. Impressive. So 
Overall, McDonough strong on the penalty kill. Yes, the, the Rangers got one power play goal, but it was that five on three. They end up killing the remainder of the next power play that was five on four that leaked into the next period, the third period. That could have been disastrous if the Rangers found a way to score two quick power play goals and make that four to two with almost an entire third period to play. That would have been disastrous, and, and momentum would have really shifted back to the Rangers, and who knows what happens after that. But they managed to kill that second penalty off, and they get out of it un, relatively unscathed with still a three-goal lead. I'm giving Ryan McDonough my second game MVP here. Let's go to my third game MVP of this game, and that is, of course, Philip Forsberg finally breaking his goal drought. I mean, going back to January 26th, 2023, that's how long since Philip Forsberg had scored a goal. Coming back from that concussion that he suffered in mid-February against the Flyers that ended his season prematurely. And then he had gone through the first four games of this season without a goal, despite leading the team in shots on goal, had not scored a goal yet, was kind of on a goal drought even before the concussion in last season. So it had spanned a 13-game goal drought dating back to January 26, 2023. That's a long time for a player of Philip Forsberg's magnitude to not score a goal. You knew it was weighing on him heavily. You knew that he wanted to get this off his back and get that first goal of this season under this new system with Andrew Burnett. And the best thing about this goal from Forsberg, which first of all, if you haven't seen the highlight, if you missed the game, how have you not seen it yet? Even if you're watching this and you're not a Predators fan, you got to see it. He skates into the zone. He loses his footing a little bit, but keeps the puck controlled on his stick, skates out, finds himself space to whip a slap shot, which is not his forte. He's normally a wrist shot shooter. He finds a way to get a slap shot and blast it past Shesterkin with pinpoint accuracy. Even Shesterkin's elite talent level was probably not going to stop that puck unless he just got extremely lucky and just happened to just somehow throw his body in front of it. But it was not one of those saves that almost any goaltender is going to make. And so Forsberg finally gets the monkey off his back. And the coolest thing about it was seeing him on the bench after the goal was scored, seeing his teammates give him the fist bump, seeing the smile on his face, seeing the relief on his face. Because not a few plays before that, not long before that, Forsberg had gotten another shot on Shesterkin that wasn't his high danger and as good of a shot. It was a relatively easy save for Shesterkin to gobble up. And you could see Forsberg again on the bench, critiquing his own shot, looking up at the uh, at the replay, and kind of being like, my bad. Or he was kind of critiquing himself is what I got from it. So he get he he makes up for it not long after that, and he just blasted. I mean, just a beautiful goal. So that put the Predators up 4 nothing. That was actually before the five-on-three goal from the Rangers and their attempted comeback. But all in all, this is a complete game for the Predators against a very, very great opponent that I suspect as the season rolls on, the Rangers are going to be one of those Stanley Cup potential teams. It's so early in the season. The Rangers take their second loss of the year. 
But this is going to be – look. I think we're going to look back on this early season win as one of the more impressive wins the Predators are going to have to their resume even further and further down as the season goes along into December and January. We'll still look back on this win and, and think, wow, that was an impressive one. Because I think the Rangers are still a legit team, and they just had a bad night. They had an off night, and the Predators had an on night. And no matter who you're playing in the NHL – if you're off your game and the other team brings it 100%, like I feel the Predators did for the most part, you're going to get beat no matter how much more talent you might have on paper. So credit to the Predators, off night for the Rangers. I still think they're a great team, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with as, this, as the season rolls along. So there you have it. Let me give you some other game notes from this game that really stood out. Want to go back to Ryan O'Reilly and how he just really is starting to illustrate how much of a coach he is on the ice. I was just watching it closely as I was watching this game, just seeing how he amps up his teammates, how he talks to the younger players. Let's talk about Ryan O'Reilly's power play goal. We've talked about every goal scored in this game except for Ryan O'Reilly's power play goal and how that set up. So O'Reilly gets his second power play goal of his Preds career, also his second overall Predators goal. And this was just beautiful, systematic passing. I mean, it was just tic-tac-toe, tic-tac-toe. And the, the final primary assist goes to Luke Evangelista, who got the puck, a beautifully designed play and set up by the entire power play unit. Luke Evangelista gets the puck, and he just darts it, perfect pass on the tape to Ryan O'Reilly, who gets the goal. And what I really loved about that afterwards was seeing O'Reilly. I could kind of read his lips. And he tells the young evangelista, who gets his first point of the year, by the way, tells the young evangelista something along the lines of, that was a really good pass. Or just basically recognizing his younger teammate and giving him that positive reinforcement, almost like a coach would do. And I see that in Ryan O'Reilly. I see him fully invested in this team. I see him really wanting to be that mentor while also, uh, hello, also actually putting up the results on the ice with goals, with points, with winning faceoffs, all the things that you really, really love to see. So, I, I mean, I give it an A-plus on what we've seen through the first five games from Ryan O'Reilly. Very early, obviously, in the, his Preds tenure, but the first five games, wow. I am very, very impressed by how Ryan O'Reilly carries himself and how he amps up and motivates his teammates, not just the younger players, but all the players he's playing with, including Forsberg, including Sissons, including the veterans that are on the team. You love to see it. You love to see him playing alongside you, so Parsonet, who has all – of the talent in the world to, to, to be a great player in this league. You love to see O'Reilly in there. So that I pulled that from, from that. Definitely a really refreshing bounce back game from UC Soros after getting up. Oh, I'm going to bring it up again. Sorry for getting really, really roasted in that game against the Oilers. It happens to the best of them, especially a team like the Oilers. You have so many great elite players, including the player that probably deserves part ownership in the Predators at this point, and that's Leon Dreisaitl, who scores another two goals in this game against the Predators to add on to his Predators resume of just completely haunting that our, our organization. But 
I loved how Soros bounced back here. Saw the puck much better, but his defense played a lot better in front of him. Well, as well, he did have to make some 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 tough saves as as the pre Rangers comeback attempt was on. So I liked how Soros handled those pressure situations when he had to to keep the Rangers from plugging away and making this a two goal game or even a one goal game. Then things get really dicey. He did a good job of that of keeping the score um, very with. with out of reach for the Rangers at that three, even when it was at that three goal cushion in the third period, he still felt pretty good. And, you know, Soros holds it together and ends up getting the win only gives up the five on three goal. Did get a little fortunate on a shot from uh, Panarin that hit the crossbar and just fortuitously ricocheted out that he was beat there. That was another power play for the Rangers. He was beat there. But sometimes puck luck is what is a goaltender's best friend, and it definitely was there. So Saros gets out of this game and ups his save percentage for the season to .901, and it lowers his goals against average to 2.85 after that rough outing against the Oilers. And then now let's move on to the injury news here that happened from this game. Cody Glass leaves the game early. Credit to Alex Darty of Penalty Box Radio for finding a really good clip that I uh, shared in my Predlines article and also uh, thought he did a really good job of pinpointing kind of where Cody Glass may have suffered this injury. It was very early in the game. I think the broadcast said he only took three shifts this entire game and looks to be like hopefully just a minor tweak of something, maybe the ankle, maybe – somewhere along there and the, the 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 really the the biggest thing that I pulled from this entire situation is the toughness that Cody Glass showed in the remainder of this play because the play keeps going it's hockey they ain't stopping for a, a tweak of the ankle and so Cody Glass had to skate through it to finish his shift he had to chase the puck back down the ice as the Rangers brought the puck up the ice eventually the puck got corralled and they could make the line change and a grimacing Cody Glass had to get to the bench. And um, obviously he doesn't return to the game. And, uh, you know, so it adds on to what's been a rocky start for Cody Glass to open this year. He hasn't registered a point yet. He's got nine shots on goal and the four and very four in a very small portion of a fifth game. So, you know, when it comes to Cody Glass, it's a rocky start but let's hope that this is an injury that doesn't linger out for more than just at most maybe a game or two. Uh, it could be one of those injuries where it's all about pain management and threshold, and I do honestly think that once we get an update on this, it'll come down to is it a pain management thing or is it something that could be made worse if you rush Cody Glass back too soon? If it ends up being an injury like that, then you absolutely give him the rest he needs because the Predators do have four centers they can rely on even without Cody Glass. You've got Thomas Novak, who, who can be a center, obviously. You've got Colton Sissons, who was actually playing wing to go into this game on the second line, which was a very interesting second line that we didn't really get to see come to fruition in this game. But you still got Sissons, you still got Novak, and then you – in, you had McCarron as your starting fourth line center, 
And then, of course, O'Reilly's your top line center. So you still got four centers you can roll out there for now. I'm not saying that's a great long-term solution, but if you got to give Cody Glass one, two, or three games off to really make sure this doesn't become a worse injury, then absolutely you end up doing that. But we still don't know the extent. Up until this recording, I haven't seen an update yet on his status. All I see is day-to-day. Puckpedia.com on their injury page says that they expect him to return as soon as tomorrow. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens with that, but obviously bad news there and what was a really, really great game overall. And then, of course, Luke Shen, since the last time we recorded, the Luke Shen injury finally comes out as being four to six-week prognosis before he can return. Another lower body injury, which forces the Predators' decor to really lean on your six defensemen that – or your three defensemen that were kind of jumbled up and we weren't sure who was going to start, who was going to sit. And that's your Dante Fabro, your Jeremy Lazan, and your Alexander Carrier. Now that Shen's out of the picture, you've got your starting six that you're pretty set on. They This collective unit had a great game, as I just said, against the Rangers last night. So you absolutely roll ahead with them. i got to give a lot of love to Dante Fabro, who's been doing really well on the top pairing with Roman Yossi. Um, and then, of course, some some things were jumbled up and shifted around outside of that. But that's what you're going with. I'm even going to give a lot of respect to Jeremy Lazan, who played a clean game here, blocked some shots, got in shooting lanes, left his body laying out there, threw his body around. So great game from Jeremy Lazan as well against the Rangers. So you got your Preds decor. I think you can definitely survive without Luke Shen. It's not a game changer necessarily, but it does make your defensive lineup a lot thinner and you definitely want to keep it healthy from here on out until Shen's back. You do got some prospects you can call up, including Spencer Statsny, Jake Livingstone, or Jordan Gross, even Mark Delgaizo, who made it late into training camp before being sent back to Milwaukee. We'll see. You got four options there to call up for maybe a seventh defenseman eventually. So we'll see how that works out. So that's what I got. Again, the Predators beat the Rangers 4-1 to one in a very dominating game for the most part, other than some special teams mishaps and a five-on-three goal that was surrendered. Other than that, a very, very strong game for the Predators. So now let's go ahead and get to your NFL offer for this week brought to you by DraftKings. And, of course, it's another action of NFL football. So let's tell you about the current offer with DraftKings. And the NFL, right now, we're going into a new week. The Titans are on a bye week right now, so couldn't be a better time for them to have a bye week. But the NFL season rolls on. There's been a lot of excitement so far. So let's go ahead and tell you about DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with it. With an offer that's even stronger, bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Still got some time left this month to get in on this current DraftKings offer. And of course, the Titans are on a bye week this week. My game to watch this week is the Dolphins and the Eagles. It could be a potential Super Bowl preview for us. Two really great offenses. I'm going to go with the Dolphins in this game. I believe in Tua. I believe in that offense. 
I'm going Dolphins over the Eagles, but don't take my word for it. If you want the Eagles, take the Eagles or take any other NFL matchup this week with this DraftKings offer. Get in on the game day greatness. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 up age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. That's 168 hours, everybody. Keep that in mind. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. DraftKings promo code THPN for NFL offers this weekend and throughout October. All right, so let's move ahead here to Saturday. Next game up on the schedule for the Predators. I just mentioned it earlier. Finally, the Predators get to play a team that did not make the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2023. Next up is the San Jose Sharks, which, you know, they're a team that nobody really has a lot of faith in. But at the same time, let's not just completely throw them out of the water. No pun intended because they are the San Jose Sharks. But definitely a team that's not expected. They're expected to be near the bottom of the Western Conference, if not the bottom of the Western Conference. So let's see what we have in store. The Sharks have opened the season 0-3-1. They just took a 3-1 loss. To the Boston Bruins. No one's going to blame them for losing to the Bruins. I'll tell you that. We know that. But they take a loss to the Bruins. Um, so they're 0-3-1 on the year. This is a game that the Predators have to really take seriously. They're not in a position to take any game off, take any opponent lightly. This is this is the, one of the problems that were always plaguing the Predators when John Hines was their head coach, was they would come into certain games where you thought maybe – just maybe this is going to be a cakewalk. Can't happen. Cannot happen. This is a game that can really be a huge setback for your team and your mentality. If you stroll in at home on a Saturday night in front of your home crowd, your great home crowd, who just watched you get beat 6-1 to the Oilers. Oh, just did it again. Keep bringing that game up. Sorry. You got to make – you got to really show us that that Rangers game was not a fluke that you're doing all the things you need to do, that you're locked in focus, and you can get your season record back to 3-3-0, and which through the first six games, I will be very happy with a 3-3-0 and start based on everything that's being worked out with this new, new system and everything that's going on. If you can end up beating the Sharks and you've opened the season at a 3-3-0 record, you got to be happy about that. The Sharks have had a really hard – first few games as well in terms of opponents. They lost 3 to 1 to the Shark to the Boston Bruins. They lost 6 to 3 to the Carolina Hurricanes. That's that's another um just really difficult opponent. Then they 
wow, I did not realize that their first four opponents were of this magnitude. They lost two to one in a shootout. They took the avalanche to a shootout, and they end up losing two to one in the shootout. So they only gave up one goal to the avalanche in overtime and a full 60-minute regulation. So that's something to think that the Sharks aren't as bad as some people may think they are. And in their first game of the season, they lost to the defending champs, the Vegas Gold Knights, 4-1. to one. That is a – you think our opening schedule has been a gauntlet? That is a true gauntlet. Vegas, Colorado, Carolina, and Boston? That's rough. So they're 0-3-1. They're looking for that first win. Predators better be ready to go. I'm still waiting to see when Kevin Lincoln is going to be make his season debut. Saros has started all five games. So I'm in, I'm leaning towards this is when we're going to see Kevin Lincoln and get his first start of 2023-24. Um, this is a, a good game for him to get in there and get his feet wet, give Saros an early season rest. I know it's not a back-to-back. But we don't want to see Saros doing another 65 starts this year and get wore down down the stretch, and then he he's just not ready to go. We want a fresh UC Saros down the stretch. So I'm thinking this is a great opportunity for Kevin Lankinen to get his first start of the year. He did come in relief for Saros in that game against the Oilers and played pretty well in relief action. So, yeah, this is a great opportunity to see him. We'll have to see if – Philip Tomasino finally gets back into the lineup. And, of course, we'll have to also wait and see um, what else is going on with Cody Glass and if he's able to come right back into the game and if this was just a super minor injury that um, that they can get through. Because you don't want to go too long without Cody Glass in the lineup, obviously. You want to get him back as soon as possible, but you also want to make sure that – that it's not something that can be made worse if you bring it back too soon. So that's what we're going to be watching for in the sh- leading up to the Sharks game on Saturday is Cody Glass's injury status. Is Philip Tomasino, is that just a one-game thing, Philip Tomasino? I'm th- I think for sure if Cody Glass misses this next game against the Sharks, then Tomasino is a no-brainer. He's back in the lineup for sure. But if – Glass is back, then it'll be interesting to see if Tomasino is healthy scratched for a second game in a row and and Burnett just sticks with what really worked against the Rangers so well. So with that, let's move ahead and close out episode 205 of Catfish on Ice with your host, Chad Minton, with these latest trade rumblings involving the Predators. And that is Connor Garland. Winger, right winger for the Vancouver Canucks, who has been on the trade block for a while now. He was on a trade block last year. It's a matter of, it feels like it's a matter of when, not if Connor Garland gets traded. 27 year old right winger who is viewed mostly as a middle six winger, a, a second line winger, possibly. Um, you know, going into that Rangers game, I was really thinking about will they try to swap Fabro? for Garland to wake up this offense and really solidify it a little bit. But we'll we'll wait and see how long this lingers. There's no reason to be in a hurry about trading for Garland. I'm not even completely on board with it necessarily. But I am intrigued by if you do trade him and you unload Fabro because you have the cap space available, 
then I just don't know. I mean, it, it's really odd, but according to multiple sources, including Elliot Friedman and David Pagnata of the uh, fourth period, the, the Predators have been one of a few teams who have at least shown interest in possibly trading for Connor Garland, who uh, it's been even reported that the Canucks would be willing to retain up to $3 million of his salary in a trade. So that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Ultimately, I don't think the risk is worth the reward of trading for Garland, and the risk I have with it is – you shake up the chemistry even more when you're still trying to build chemistry. You bring in Garland, then you're kind of like really having to shuffle lines again and all for a player that I don't know exactly how much better he really makes you. Maybe he makes you a little bit better in the playoffs if you make it there. Maybe he boosts your offense and your power play a little bit more, but it really makes your lineup combinations very complicated if you add Garland into it because you still got Nyquist, who's a second-line player. You're, once Cody Glass is healthy, you want him on the as the second-line center. So does that mean you go with a Garland, Glass, Nyquist second line that pushes out – you know, that pushes out any chances of Novak or Tomasino or any of those types of players, Evangelist, any of those types of players eventually getting top six minutes, except for Parson, who seems to be safe on the top line. I don't know. It just seems a little risky. If the Canucks are willing to retain that much salary, then it's not as big of a risk because you're not putting too much salary into it in Garland. But I don't know. And then Fabro has really leveled up his level of play lately as well. So do you really want to lose him now? Maybe the better Fabro plays. And if he really starts proving that he is a quality top pairing defenseman with Roman Yossi, then you're probably going to do everything you can to re-sign him as a restricted free agent next offseason instead of trading him. Because he's still very young and still very early in his NHL career. So there's still a lot to, 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 to work out here. And I just think it's too early in the season to pull the trigger on a trade like this. Way too early. There's too much more that needs to be sorted out to just trade for a Connor Garland. And I was thinking about it when I first saw the news a couple of days ago. I was leaning more towards, yeah, let's do it. Let's If we can unload Fabro and get Garland to really, really pump up our, our Fords and get another winger who has experience – um, that could be a good thing, but the more and more I've thought about it, I just I'm leaning the other way now, and I don't like the Predators getting involved in a trade like this this five games into the season. There's other teams that are very interested in Garland as well, um, so I think the Predators should definitely take the patient approach, move forward with caution, and, and go with what they have, see how everything works out, and then if Garland is still being dangled around as the season rolls on then maybe you revisit that pro that proposition. But as of now, I think I'm putting the phone down if I'm Barry Trotz and I'm not going forward with a trade for Connor Garland. I think the Predators need to stick with what they have. They haven't even completely understood yet what they have. So why would you shake the apple cart up now when you don't even know yet? I just think it's too soon to be thinking about trading anybody right now. Way too soon. So with that said, Thank you for joining me on this quick episode of Catfish on Ice. Can't wait for the live episode, our next live episode, this Tuesday when the Predators host the Vancouver Canucks with Rich Howe joining me again for a live episode stream on our YouTube channel on X. 
also on our Facebook page. Please hit follow and subscribe on all of those pages on social media. It helps us out a ton. Please enjoy your weekend. Again, this is Chad Mitten, your host of Catfish on Ice. This has been episode 205. We will see you next Tuesday. Until then, take care, everybody.